Well, we say good morning again. And uh, we revolve around the very Word of God, do we not? Our prayers and all the songs, all the praises that we say is really about what God has uh, given us in His Word. And um, we're kind of in between books right now. So we've been um, dealing with Romans 8.28, one of the all-time favorite verses of everybody. And uh, so you can't go wrong with that verse, can you? Um, so last week we dealt with uh, all things for good, and, and it really was all the bad things. The worst things. All the worst things that can even happen. And we're kind of basing this out of uh, Thomas Watson's book, All Things for Good. And um, he has some just great quotes. Uh, he's so quotable. And I've always liked him so well uh, down through the years. And, you know, he has some things that are just like jewels that that stick in your mind. And uh, so if you run across some of those today, feel free to just write them down because he does have some uh, thoughts that really kind of uh, lift your own thinking up. The, uh, The all things for good, you know, God has attributes of His power, His wisdom, His goodness the best things include the promises of God uh, the mercies of God the graces of God then I think about the intercession that Christ has for us that's ongoing constantly then I think of even the intercession of the saints you know, praying for each other and fellowship of the saints and the communion that we have together along with the Lord uh, the angels the ministry that the angels do. It's an amazing thing. You don't hear about that very much, but um, you think about that, and God uh, has a lot of things going on that we don't see, right? And those are good things, really good things. Um, then I, I think about the things that are the bad things. You think of affliction. Things that come upon you that are uh, unexplainable sometimes. There it is. What do you do with those afflictions? Well, they work for good. Temptations are things that are would be considered bad or the worst. But God uses those for good. And then sin. Sin, God uses for good. And we even sang a song earlier about the... Or, or actually, it was in the, uh, the, the confession about even when God deserts us. When He leaves us for a time... He's always there, but there are times when it doesn't seem like He's there. He's not answering. But He's always there, but yet at the same time we realize He uses that for good. Of course, Jesus went through all of these things. You think He said, My God, my God, why have You forsaken Me? Right? So, we know that was for good, wasn't it? It was really, ultimately, for His satisfaction and then also for us, for our salvation in His plan, in His purpose. So even the evil of mankind's sin that came upon, it was the worst sin ever, came upon Christ, God come to earth in human flesh, dies for our sins. The evil of sin is conquered. It's amazing that God takes the worst things, works it for good. Now, who is it? Who is it for God works all things for this good. Who is it for? 
Well, in Romans 8.28 it says, God works all things together for good to those who, what? Love God and are called according to His purpose. The ones who love God. That's the theme for our study this morning. It's about the saints who love God. If you're a Christian, if you're a saint, you love God. You love because He put that love into you. And it's only those, the ones who love God, the ones who are the godly ones, that He will work all things for good. Only those, only the elect Christians are lovers of God. They love God. We love God, but of course like Peter before the Holy Spirit came in that Acts chapter 2, we know that Jesus asked him, Peter, do you love me? Remember that? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And, and Peter knew that he fell a little short on that loving God. And of course, he said in the sense of, Lord, you know, I really do like you. I have affections for you. <laughs> he just, it was like he couldn't come up with loving him with every ounce of his strength. He just couldn't admit that at that point because he knew he had sinned. So sometimes we waver. Now we would say we always love God. But there are times when we don't feel that we have that same kind of love for God that we did maybe a day ago, a week ago. It can wax, it can wane. But the love that God has for us never waxes, never wanes. Matter of fact, He never loves us less. Take it on the other side. He never loves us more because He's at a completeness in His love. That's an amazing thing. He has the fullest love that can possibly be there. That's uh, amazing, isn't it? His love is always perfect. Our love for God doesn't seem perfect, does it? How can we better love God? How can we do that? I want to love God better. It just doesn't seem like sometimes I can do that. Well, that's what we're going to look at at this time. And as we look at Scripture and get some help, maybe a little bit from Thomas Watson that can help us get it more colorful here, it's my prayer that we can be edified this morning and that it will advance our desire to pursue God, to have an intimate relationship and an ongoing communion that we can't wait to talk to God, the triune God. Let's pray. Father, You are holy, awesome indeed. Your great attribute of love is defined in Scripture, not by the world, not by any fluffy kind of feelings, but the powerful aspect of the love of God. And Lord, help us. You speak to us today through Your Word, by Your Spirit. Help us to understand better how to love the triune God. To love as You love, as You're conforming us in the image of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I get my trusty ice water here. Stuff just seems like it keeps sticking in my throat all the time and I have a hard time swallowing. So thank you for bearing with me as I've gone through weeks and weeks of this now and 
still don't have the answer of what's going on, but um, <clears throat> I have to have some water. So excuse me. <laughs> There's a command, a command in the Bible that says it's the greatest commandment. The command of all commands, you guys know it, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. You know, you think of the Lord is our God, the Lord is one God, love God. And then Jesus said, love God, love your neighbor as yourself, right? On those two commands hinge the whole law. The royal law, the royal law of love. So we are exhorted of all the commands to love God. So how can I do that? Every ounce of my being with my heart, mind, soul, strength, everything. I know that I haven't loved God today in that sense. Yes, I love God and I'm really pursuing Him, but I feel like I kind of come up short. I mean, it's overwhelming, isn't it? When he says to love me with every aspect of your being. And sometimes uh, it feels daunting to me because I know that I haven't given him every aspect of who I am. But you know what? It's not unreasonable that God would command such uh, a, a kind of a love. He only asks for our love back to Him, it's not even really our love that we work up. It's something that, that He gives us to give Him back. I, I think of uh, little kids who don't have any money and it's time for a birthday present to, to mom. And dad or mom, usually dad, will give him the money so he can go buy a present. Now, there's love there. I mean, really love, but it it really isn't the money that that he had to do it. So he had to get something to be able to to do that. Fall short of what the aspect is from God. But, you know, when he gives us this, that we are wanting to give it back. Uh, Love is no burden at all, is it? Not at all. It's... it's, um, it's a labor of love. You ever heard of that? Because we are bride. We are the bride of Christ. And the bride loves the husband, right? We, as being the bride, see that love is delightful to love God. What are men by nature? They're haters of God. It is not natural to love God. Before you knew Christ, you actually hated him. The wicked would flee from God. They'll even say he doesn't exist in their own thoughts, so they know better. Many might even fear God in an unhealthy way. There is definitely a, a healthy fear of God, but many fear God, but they don't love him. They're afraid of him. And we know the ordinances are not going to do it. He does say, if you love me, obey my commandments. But obeying his commandments or doing the ordinances in them of, of themselves are not going to do it. The judgments that he has, being afraid of that. But the power of the Spirit of God comes in, infuses into the soul. Something supernatural. Because naturally, we wouldn't want to love God. 
people, when they see the kind of lifestyle that a Christian is to live, they say, I don't want that. <laughs> I want for myself what I can get out of life. That's really what they're saying. But it's a grace. It's a grace of God to, um, to love God. But that's an exhortation that He gives us. That's the first one I start with. An exhortation to love God. That's, that's the greatest commandment. You cannot forget that. That is what we are held bound to, to love God. Look in Psalm 31.23. Oh, love the Lord, all you His godly ones. Love the Lord, all you His godly ones. He gives us the benefit, the privilege to love Him, and still yet it's it's commanded there, but yet we are equipped to do that. It's not how much we do, and that is a part of serving, but it's how much we love God. It's not burdensome. If there's any kind of work that we do out of duty... And we do it out of duty, and it's not really heartfelt. It's not for the Lord. Duties that are not mingled with love are absolutely unacceptable. It's a it's a burden to God when people do the works, they do the things, and yet it's not out of love for Him. Um, the reason people come to assembly is to worship God. That means you love Him. Do you come here because it's a sense of duty? I'm supposed to be here because that's what Christians are to do. Well, that's good. That's good that you're here. But yet at the same time, do we come out of duty or do we come out of the sense that I want to give God praise? I want to give Him honor. I want to worship with God's people as we live together. Praises up to God. That's out of the love, right? And that's what we want. Not a sense of just duty. Even though we're commanded to do these things, it always starts with that. Number two, the only reason we can love God because God is what? Love. An attribute of God. He is love. That is who He is. It's His very nature. That's not just something that He has, but it is Him. And what He does, He communicates this attribute to us. There are attributes that are communicable. The ones He transfers to us. He says, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Right? Uh, Love would be that communicable attribute. There are attributes that are not communicable. God is omniscient. We're not. That's an attribute of God. That's who He is. God is omnipresent. We're not omnipresent. Omniscient. Omnipotent. Um, You can think of a lot of attributes that God is that we will never be. And that's because He's God. (laughs) But at the same time, it's amazing that God would take the most amazing attribute and of course, I don't know how you can say one is over another, but how can you understand the holiness of God unless you know the God 
who is the God of love. God is a God of light. We're talking about the godly kind of love. We cannot love Him unless He gives that to us. What does it say in First John 4.19? Everybody knows it. Just an exercise in turning here. I don't remember where it's at, right? We love because He first loved us. See, everything always starts with God. It doesn't start with us. It doesn't start with our decision to love God, to follow God, to be a believer. It doesn't start with us, does it? It always starts with God. And without that, we can't do it because by nature, we'll continue to hate God and disobey God. But it's amazing. He communicates that. Have you supernaturally... Have you ever thought of that supernatural aspect that's been brought to you, the very nature of God, and has been infused into your very soul? The very existence of God. Any love that someone has is because of the very existence of God. Love starts with Him. He gives that love to us so we can love Him. Do you love God? You can be sure of God's love to you because of Scripture, because of the Holy Spirit that is in you. But uh, Watson says, as it is with burning glasses, if the glass burn, it is because the sun has first shined upon it, else it could not burn. And he goes on to say, if our hearts burn in love to God, it's because God's love has first shined upon us. Our love is nothing but the reflection of God's love. We're reflecting the very image of God in this world. And you show it by, by loving others. That's why that second commandment is linked to that first one, isn't it? That's how we show God. The best way that people are going to see who God is is be how we use this love for others. Reflects. Number three, loving God is the most noble, the most Excellent grace there is. Can you think of anything higher? Watson said, It's a pure flame kindled uh, from heaven. By it we resemble God, who is love. We resemble God. Yeah. He's making us into the image of Christ as He pours His love into us. Look in 1 John 4.16. If you were in 1 John 4 earlier, look in 16. We have come to know and believe the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him, remains, sticks around, sticks like glue right there. We live in him. He lives in us. What a. We grow to be like Him. We'll never be God, but we'll be like Him. And of course, the glorious bodies and the glorious eternity that rest ahead, that is what we will see. Love is such a grace. It's the most delightful. It should be the most delightful thing that we do to think about this loving God and then also desire to show it back to Him. Faith is not love. Faith is not true. Sorry. 
if it unless it works by love. If you have faith, then it has to work by love. Same way as repentance. Repentance was granted to us, right? It was given to us. So repentance doesn't work unless there is love there. The spring of love. Um, Watson said like this, Love is the incense which makes all our services fragrant and acceptable to God. Most noble. Excellent grace. Number four. You see how a lot of these are just connected? God is the most adequate and complete object of our love. People are looking for the next thrill, the next enjoyment, the next bit of fun that they can have. They're always looking for something to satisfy them, right? There's always something that's good, but that wears out. And they're looking for the next thing. And it's okay. I've got to have something even more. Of course, that's the way that drugs work. It's the way that alcohol works. You can think of all the things that people do and does to them. And yet, they're not seeking what is the most complete object that we are really after of love. All the excellencies that lie scattered in the creatures are united in Him. Think about His wisdom. Think about His beauty. Think about His love. Think about the very essence of the goodness of God. And you know what? He is. He unites us to Him. Those things are there for us. There are just beauties that are sparkling from God. The, the top of the line. This is it. This is what everybody is really after and they don't know it. There's nothing in God to deaden our affections. There's nothing in God that is going to be less than what you think. There will nothing be in God that will quench our love. There's no infirmity in God. There is no deformity in God. He's always at His best, absolute best, and everything all the time. Now that's excellencies. Jonathan Edwards spoke of the excellencies of God. How excellent is God? And you look at every attribute and they're absolutely perfect all the time. We have our days, we have our really bad days. Perfect all the time. Complete object of our love. We cannot spend our love upon a better object. Focus on Him. Why focus on anything that is less than who God is. Why would we focus on that waste our time? Number five, loving God is contemplating God. Thinking on God. He who is love, his thoughts are ever upon the object. If you really into something, really like it, really enjoy it, your thoughts are on that, right? But all your thoughts, first of all, should be on who the Lord is, how this fits into what is right and true. How does this work? Thinking of God. You think about the high thoughts of God. You think of Jonathan Edwards and often just go out into the woods 
and think about the high things of God. And reading Scripture starts meditating, thinking on that. Whether it be just one attribute, then you'd see it out in nature. You see the beauty of God and His excellencies and the things that He's created. And then you take what you know to be true as far as revelation of God, how He reveals His Word, and you start seeing a little bit more how God works. What is God thinking? In Psalm 139.18 it says, When I am awake, I am still with Thee. I went to bed. I was praying to God. I wake up. The psalm writer says, I was thinking of You. Even right now when I wake. First thoughts, boom, they go right to who God is. Not what is going to happen during the day. <laughs> Whether it be something good or, oh man, I've got this deadline to meet. I'll go right to God. Thinking always. This is quite a test of our love to God. How much do I think on Him? How much do I think about how great God is? The majesty, the supremacy of God. What are our thoughts? How high are they, right? Think high of God. You can't think high enough, can you? (laughs) Once you get past the ceiling, you go outside and you've got a high sky. It just keeps on going, right? We should be ravished with delight when we think on God. Contemplating His glory. Think about Christ. Christ. Christ is everything, isn't He? Contemplating on Him. Our sixth one is loving God is desiring communion. All these are linked together. Uh, Psalm 84.2. You've got to like this one. This is where we should be all the time. Every Christian has done this and does it. We should be doing it constantly. Psalm 84.2 My soul longed and even yearned for the courts of the Lord. My, my heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. Verse 1, he says, How lovely are your dwelling places, O Lord of hosts. Of course, he can compare that to the temple, but you know, we go into the Holy of Holies every time we pray. We go before the throne of God. The King of the universe with all His majesty is is before us constantly. Do we realize, really realize the privilege that we have to go into that and know that He's listening to us? And then Christ is interceding for us when our prayers come up short of the glory of God in our prayer thoughts. My soul just longs and yearns, says the psalm writer the courts of the Lord, the presence of God, worship of God, long to worship. We should be breathing after God, right? That's the that's the thought, the pathos, uh, desire just cries out. As the writer said, the living God, He is present here. He's present always with us. When when you have a couple, they meet each other. Fall in love, right? Whatever the language is for that. But what do they do? They can't wait to be with each other. What do they do? They talk with each other. They converse together, right? They have things in common or they're trying to find out about each other. That's what we do with God. We're trying to find out more about Him. He already knows us fully. (laughs) But we want to know who He is. What is it, Calvin said, there are two things you want to know. What's that? Know God. 
know yourself. <laughs> what, what's the idea of that? Know God. You go into here and you just peer into the high way of God. Look at Him. And then you see yourself and you realize, I'm thankful for where He has put me. I'm thankful that I have communion with Him. That I can talk with Him. But yet I see that in my flesh, I so much desire Him and I still even sin against this holy, great God. This awesome God. Know God. Know yourself. He speaks to us. He speaks to us in His Word. Right here, He's speaking to us. We speak to Him in prayer, don't we? He speaks to us in His Word. The Word of God. We're, we're looking at a few of these Scriptures and some of these thoughts here. Well, how do we speak to Him? Go in prayer. Do we desire intimacy? Do we desire that communion with God? We want the presence there to be felt. We can't be happy without God, can we? We should desire it more and more. David was ready to faint away. He was ready to die. He had committed that sin with Bathsheba and other things just fell just like dominoes through all that. And he didn't have his sight on God. And this was a man after God's own heart. How did he do such a thing? Took his eyes away just a little bit. Focused on something else. People want wealth. They want health. They want all the things that they can get out of life. But they don't want God. (laughs) They want all these things. And if they do believe in a God, they want God as a genie. They, They don't have Him because they love Him. What they want is, yeah, I believe in God. I expect Him to do this, 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 and this, and this. And if He doesn't do that, then I don't want to believe in Him. Because, you know, that's man-centered. The focus is on self. That's what we are to die, to be crucified to, right? A self. Die to self. God for who He is. Seventh one I have, and we were just talking about crucifying. Loving God is crucifixion. He who is a lover of God is dead to the world. Galatians 6.14 What does Paul say here? Right at the end of his letter to the Galatians. And he is an example of one who sought the Lord. Loved Him with all His heart. Galatians 6.14 But may it never be that I would boast... Sang a song this morning, right? Mm-hmm. Only boast in who? Here was his boasting. Except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Crucified to the world. 
dead to the world. I'm dead to the honors and pleasures of the world. All the things that it has to offer. Oh, you don't understand. Dennis, there's so many, so many things out there. I'm not saying you can't enjoy them, but is that your life? Is that what life is about? He who is in love with God is not much in love with much anything else. They realize more and more <laughs> as they grow closer to the Lord, those things that, they, uh, that are in the world really don't matter anymore. You have to do what you have to do as you live here. But um, a love of God and a love for the world is really inconsistent, isn't it? Of course, in 1 John it talks about that. 1 John 2.15 And 1 John talks about love constantly all the way through, doesn't it? If you say you believe in God but you don't love your neighbor, John says, you're not a Christian. He also talks about if you love the world and all the things that are in it and that's what you're pursuing, then you're not a Christian either. <laughs> wow, John is pretty black and white, isn't he? Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. He's consumed with all the passions that are out there because that's what's going to meet his need. Always falls short. A heart that is raised above the above the world admires, loves God. Test your love to God by this. Is there anything that could keep me from loving God? Dealing with thirsting, thirsting, thirsting insatiably. Ignatius said this, Never talk of your love to Christ when you prefer the world before the pearl of price. And there are not many such who prize their gold above God. Let's move to the eighth one. Loving God is loving what God loves. Whatever He loves, that's what I want to love. How do you love God? Well, love what He loves. If He doesn't like something, and He hates something, and He hates all sin, right? Then... Pursue what he loves. I think he likes his word. Matter of fact, I think he loves his word. What he speaks every time is constantly true. Turn to Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is dealing with the word of God. Every verse in there is about the word of God. And in verse 72, the law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. The law of your mouth. I don't love the wealth. I love what you say, God. Because what you say is who you are. The law of your mouth is better to me than all the money could possibly be. Verse 103, same psalm there. How sweet are your words to my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey. Often, you'll see, especially in the Old Testament, speaks of honey. I guess there was really nothing sweeter. (laughs) Honey. Sweet. The best that you can get. And the words are sweeter than any kind of honey. Psalm 19, it talks about the sweetness of God's truth. Um, 
Watson said the lines of scripture are richer than the mines of gold. Talks about the silver, the gold. Those are good things used for money. But he says scripture is much richer. Right? The pearl is hidden there. Um, another one would be God's people. Hey, that's what we're doing today. We're here studying the Word of God, being reminded, really, because we know all these things. This is nothing new at all, is it? Romans 8.28 He works all things together for good to those who love God. That's the only ones that He's going to work for good. Loving God is loving what God loves. God loves His people. Christians love God's people. First John chapter five verse one. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. Whoever loves God loves his children. We love his image that shines in the saints. <laughs> You guys have the image of God. All those who have trusted Christ, all those who love God, all the ones who are elect, however you want to say it, all the believers, right? You have love just shining, outraying from you. Sometimes it doesn't show outwardly. Actually, pretty well usually does. It's an amazing thing, isn't it? Loving the saints. Not loving them for what they can give to you, what they can offer, or how great they are. Just fantastic people. Not even that. You love a saint because they are part of the body of Christ. They are being made in the image of Christ. And they have something from God that you have too. And so therefore, it's really important. Even though one be poor, they are ones that you are to love. And you say, well, they'll never repay me. might be somebody who is in need and you love them because it's just there. that You would give for them. Uh, Satis. Uh, actually, it's, it's um, a sacrifice. It's a sacrificial love. There's another one. Love means obedience. He that has my commandments and keeps them is he that loves me. That's John 14.21 as he talks to the disciples. If you keep the commandments and you do it out of love, love and commandments, obedience, faith, they're all just linked together. It's a vain thing to say we love Christ's person and then at the same time we slight His commands. The commands are something that we love. If you remember the psalm writer said that is sweeter than honey. His words, His truth, His commands, His ordinances. We obey Him in those things because of the cross. All connected there. Mortifying sin. That's a difficult thing. We obey Him by killing sin, choking it, cutting it off, whatever it is. 
And it says in Galatians about mortifying, killing sin, and things that are dangerous, such as suffering for the cause of Christ sometimes. And that is considered to be obedient and trusting in Him in the suffering time that you go through. Um, it's always for Christ's sake, isn't it? It's for Christ's sake. Because you know that He will work those things for good. <laughs> Connects over that. Loving God longs for His appearing. If you love God, you can't wait until He comes back. Go to 2 Timothy 4 8. Here's Paul right at the end of his journey in this walk. He writes to Timothy. In the future, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved His appearing. If you're a Christian, you will love His appearing. I don't know of any Christians that would be any different than that. They want Christ to come back. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. And yet He delays. But to God, it's not really a delay. Because He still has people that He's going to save. Right? The ones He chose before the foundation of the world. Look in um, Revelation 22, 17. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come! And let the one who hears say, Come! And let the one who is thirsty come! Let the one who wishes take the water of life without cost. That's our invitation. That's It comes from the Holy Spirit. It comes from, the, from God. It comes from us. We give the invitation out. We give that general call. And then it says in verse 20, He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. So when the time is right, perfect, we look to that day. All the saints down for thousands of years, especially the time after Christ ascended, look for Him to come back. That first generation of saints, they look for Him to come back. They thought it could be any time. 2,000 years later, it could be any time. We don't know. But isn't it great to know that He is going to come back absolutely certain. I'm more certain than that than anything. Except for all the rest of God's truth. That's all certain His promises. When our union with Christ is in glory, then our joy will be completely full. You know, we, we are commanded to rejoice always and rejoice today, even right now and through the week. But Christ appearing is going to be a joy that we have never, ever experienced. Can you imagine the joy we'll have at that moment? We look to that. Very comforting, isn't it? When He appears for us, He... He's an advocate now as we live in this life. But ultimately, He's going to appear as our husband in the wife-husband relationship type thing. Can you think of a more joyful day when a couple gets married? What a 
day that will be. First uh, John three two, one of my all time favorite verses. What a promise! Matter of fact, it'd be good to start at verse one. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us. I want you to examine this. Check this out. He says that we would be called children of God, children of the King of the Universe. And such we are. He says that's a fact. That's truth. We're children of God. For this reason, the world does not know us. They can't identify with the things that we believe. You can think of righteous things, believing in life, not abortion, homosexuality. We don't believe that's right. We know that's biblically wrong. We stand for that. They don't understand why we just can't go in with their thoughts and their thinking. That's why persecution has always been for God's people all down through the years. The world doesn't know us because it did not know Him. They can't understand us. But we can understand them. And we have to be really loving in the sense of, okay, I'm not surprised that the world is doing what it's doing. In the time that we live in, it's incredibly bad. It's evil, it's wicked. And it's just constantly around us. You know what? Shouldn't be surprised at all. That's what they're going to do naturally. They don't know God. Beloved, now, we are children of God. Even right now, we're children of God. And it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know <laughs> that when He appears, we will be like Him. Because we will see Him just as He is. The second coming of Christ. Do you, love, do you love that appearing? Yeah, but you know, there's a lot of things I want to do yet. <coughs> that, you know, that doesn't matter at all to me. That, you know, I could care less. I'm ready to go. Boom. Let's go, Lord. At the same time, we, we are torn. We, <clears throat> like Paul, we are to uh, be living the Gospel out here. Giving the gospel out. What an infinite joy is going to flow into the soul at that time. Joyful to think about his coming, isn't it? The paradise of God, ultimately. Glory. Seen. Another one. Loving God means increasing your love for him. Philippians one nine. <clears throat> And this I pray, that your love may abound. Leaping. Bigger and bigger. And more and more. Still more and more. In real knowledge and all discernment. That's what Paul prayed for them. That their love would abound. Their love for God. Love for others. Watson said this, Our love to God should be as the light of the morning. First there is the daybreak. Then it shines brighter to the full meridian. 
They who have a few sparks of love should blow up those divine sparks into a flame. (laughs) You have the early morning sun and it keeps getting brighter and brighter. You see a beautiful day that started off with just a little bit of light and that's the way our love for God should be. People who have a little bit of gold want more gold. People who have God's love, they want to give it more to Him. Growth of love. Disciples to Christ at first was very weak. They fled from Christ, didn't they? They fled from anything that was connected with Him after Christ's death. Grew more vigorous. And more and more. Growth of love is going to amplify the reward that we have the more we shall shine in glory. Twelfth one, loving God is sensitive to dishonor done to God by the wicked. We are sensitive to the things that are going on out in the world today, aren't we? Why is that? Because your hearts ache for the dishonor that is done to God by wicked men as they say and they do the things that they do. Morality, it's all broken down. It's just a flood of wickedness coming in like never before. His name is dishonored. If there be any love to God, we would say, my heart aches for what's happening. I love God and I hate what is being done. It's dishonoring to Him. Second Peter 2.7 talks about Lot. That's amazing. <laughs> Remember Lot? He actually was a believer. <clears throat> Matter of fact, he is a believer who stood for righteousness even though he made some bad choices. <clears throat> Second Peter 2.7 says this, And if he rescued righteous Lot, God, Oppressed, he was oppressed by the sensual conduct of unprincipled men. Where did Lot live? Sodom and Gomorrah, right? We live in Sodom and Gomorrah today. We really do. And he says he was oppressed by the sensual conduct of unprincipled men. For by what he saw and heard, that righteous man. <clears throat> what? Lot? Yeah. He's a believer. He's a righteous man. All those who love God, he loved God. He's a righteous man. While living among them, felt his righteous soul tormented day after day by their lawless deeds. Wow. That's why in, in Timothy it says to be praying for our leaders, to be praying for every realm that you can think of to be praying for them. His soul was tormented by the loss. Are you tormented by what's going on out in the world? you got to be. If you love God, you're tormented by it. You hate it. <clears throat> love to God must be active. It's, it's like a fire. Uh, look in First Thessalonians 1.3. We're just about done. Because my voice is about done. <laughs> and we're at the end. <clears throat> this is still out of Romans 
8.28, isn't it? <laughs> but we're in 1 Thessalonians 1.3. 1 <clears throat> Constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of our God and Father. There you have faith, hope, and love together. Do you see that? Work of faith, labor of love. Active. It's like a fire. Most active element. It's called the labor of love. It's not idle, is it? It's active. Studies about God and has the feet running. The love of Christ constrains us. We want to do the things God wants us to do. Love to God would make a full circle here now. Mark 12, verse 30. This is all about pursuing Him, isn't it? Pursuing Him more and more. There's a question about the Great Commandment. What's the foremost of all? We just looked at it, folks. <laughs> the scribes came to Jesus and said, what's, what's the greatest one? What really is the greatest? Jesus answered, The foremost is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. He's God. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. We have just looked at the greatest thing that He's given us. Here's what he tells us. Our love to God is to be entire. It's to be above all other things. The more we enjoy of Him, we are here to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Enjoy His love as you give His love back to Him that He gave to you. The more we're just ravished with delight. Do you want to take delight Everything else is going to fall short. This is the ultimate. We looked at the ultimate command. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. For Your Word speaks. Help us to love You more. And we can only do it by the very strength and the power of You. We cannot just drum it up in our own selves. But as we look at Your Word, as we hunger, as we thirst, for Your Word. And to think on it, meditate on it, chew on it, we get to see some high things of God. And Lord, that's what my desire is today. That our love would abound, every one of us. That we would see a little bit more of Your glory today because of what You have spoken here to us through Your Word by Your Spirit. In Your Son's name. Amen.